Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefo Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to another episode of Women Around the World. But before we get to our woman that lives yes. in the world, <laughs> Annie. I know Sminty has done a few episodes around climate change and the overall gendering of recycling and even advocating for climate change. But have you and I talked about the overall concerns of what is happening right now? I don't think we've talked about it in depth. I think we have done some, especially in our questions that we do at the beginning uh, for those kinds of episodes. I think we've talked about it a little, but I don't think we've done a deep dive into our emotional concerns about right. it. <laughs> I know you wanted to go to Antarctica. I did, yes. I still and do. Then, yes, and you still do. And I, I saw, I sent you a post about the North Pole. I know that's not the same thing, but I just, I was like, you know, <laughs> stuff different like that. And mm-hmm. I know you talked about wanting to travel it responsibly. Um, mm-hmm. So can you tell me, A, why have you, did you want to go to Antarctica? And B, what does that mean to travel responsibly? Oh, yes. So when I was uh, in third grade, I made a list of 100 things I want to do before I die. And one of the things on there was visit all seven continents. And I'm a very adventurous soul. I love traveling. I love hiking. I love snow, although I think I like it more in small doses than large doses. (laughs) So I really wanted to go. And I even... I, there's two times, two, no, three times it's fallen through because I like figured out I got a kind of a research grant situation one time to go, is it McDerna? McDonough? No, it's not McDonough. But anyway, <laughs> McDer- <laughs> that big research station down there. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I really wanted to go, but I didn't want to be like kind of the Jeff Bezos. I want to go to space and I don't care the consequences. Right. I want to do it type thing because the... Antarctica is one of the big places we can see the effects of climate change. Mm -hmm. So it just felt incredibly like selfish of me to just go because I want to see it when it would kind of impact the environment and the health of that environment having me there. So it was really important to me that if I did go, I would do it in a way that was responsible. So I wasn't just being kind of a selfish tourist who's trouncing about and ruining the thing that she is excited right. to see. Right. Which, which you and I have talked about because uh, we're going to do a Monday Mini because I'm, I'm hitting a point in my life as I'm hitting the middle part, I guess. I knew it was coming. I felt like I went through a quarter life crisis. The very, mm-hmm. you know, ridiculousness of it all. So I thought maybe I'll pass the midlife bit, but I don't think I have because I've been really like, I'm going to buy something. I don't know. I'm going to do an impulse buy of something and maybe a trip to a resort or something. And then that included the conversation of like, but we have to do this responsibly because we know many resorts and many uh, tourist traps like that often capitalize without uh, considering the people around them or the environment and the ecosystem that they are often disrupting, destroying whatever, whatnot, and thinking about how to do that responsibly because I want to be super lazy, but super conscientious. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I want both of those things. Uh Uh, But also, as I've been thinking about it, honestly, I don't know a lot about the climate crisis. And this is my bad. I am 
holding myself accountable. People are probably going to yell at me and you have every right to. I feel like I came into a, uh, no excuses, just my environmental being. Well, you know, my parents are very conservative, uh, came through a very religious background, small town in the mountains, all of those things where that wasn't a big concern and that wasn't a big conversation. Um, we talked about access in my home. We did not have access to recycling. I think even to this point, they do not have access to recycling. Even mm-hmm. in Atlanta, where we are, apparently we can't recycle glass. And I am very confused by this whole situation of whether or not it's actually effective and what it is as much as it's like uh, performative, mm-hmm. whether it's yeah. by the city or by yeah. us as, yeah, mm-hmm. as, as, as uh, individuals. So I really feel like, hey, I'm doing the bare minimum, but the bare minimum is also destroying things because we're not doing it appropriately. And there's this level of like, yes, once again, I'm lazy and I want to be conscientious, but how do I do this? Being lazy. Don't (laughs) yell at me. I know that means don't be lazy. I get it. I get it. But I have come to that point of like trying to figure out what this means. How do I learn about it? And why is it that it does seem like the older generation, like myself and older, I know I have a lot of uh, peers on here, so don't yell at me. I know a lot of my peers are really good about it. I'm talking about myself and more of my parents' age uh, about not really. I mean, that's the point of the climate change deniers. Like they're talking, eh, it's not that bad. Calm down. So like there's this whole level of being in between of like, Yes, I care. Yes, I'm not doing enough. But at the same time, it's uh, even though this is a very wealthy area that we are in, it still doesn't have accessibility. Maybe it's because we're not demanding it enough, all of that. But one of the things that I am seeing is that the fact that the younger generation are the ones that are really killing it in this and doing some massive amounts of work that I cannot believe is even needed. And it makes me sad. I'm so sorry, young generation, and thank you all at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of those younger generations who are making a change in difference is today's woman around the world, uh, Mary Nell Ubaldo, who, by the way, is also a, a social worker. Apparently, she was working with children and uh, women and advocating for their needs. So, hey, friend. I call them friend. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And Abaldo is a 24 year old uh, Philippines native who has been at the forefront of bringing awareness of this massive impact of climate change, especially to her community and her country. Born in a beautiful fishing town in the Philippines, Abaldo and her family were hit hard by the 2013 super typhoon. I, I remember this. Do you remember that a huge typhoon that happened there and the yeah. mass destruction? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember so many people being missing. I also remember because as a social worker and as an adoptee, there was this conversation of trafficking happening because of these types of huge disasters and and, uh, uh, young children being essentially orphaned during this time. But weird that I remember that part. But yeah, it displaced and destroyed her entire village and many communities around her. Uh, And though they have dealt with storms and natural disasters before, it's one of the deadliest typhoons in history, even up till today, uh, with over 6,300 lives lost and so many displaced and losing their entire way of life, as well as the fact that many people are still missing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and not only that, but the storms continue to destroy the ecosystem that has continued to be affected. And that makes the whole situation even more dangerous and dire. In 2019, the Philippines was considered by Amnesty International as one of the most at-risk countries for the climate crisis. And as if that wasn't bad enough, the response around the world and within the Philippines government has seemed fairly minimal in what is needed to help an entire community and country. But Ubaldo wasn't having it. Instead, she led the first youth climate strike in the Philippines and has become a public figure in protesting and bringing awareness around the climate crisis. And she founded the Youth Leaders for Environmental Action Federation, which is a, quote, youth-led organization based in Eastern Visayas that aims to mentor youth individuals and organizations in climate advocacy. And uh, she has been educating youths and locals about the climate crisis and the impact of global policies on climate change. Yeah, it's pretty uh, phenomenal to see when she speaks on it and especially what she is doing uh, in activism. And yeah, she's focusing a lot on the youth. And I think that's very smart. We got to focus on the youth. <laughs> and she does this on a global level as well. She's spoken at the UNFCCC, uh, COP21 in Paris, and the COP25 in Madrid. Uh, she was a part of the Climate Justice Liability Public Hearing in New York in 2018 and was selected as the Philippines representative at the hashtag Youth for Climate hashtag Driving Ambition event in Milan, where she was able to discuss ideas and specific climate crisis proposals. So she's doing a lot to try to talk about the policies. She was appointed as the coordinator for the Philippines, the entire country, at the UN Climate Change Conference for Youth in Glasgow last November. And yeah, she does her advocacy even under the threat of danger. According to a recent globalwitness.org report in September of 2021, quote, in 2016 until the end of 2020, 166 land and environment defenders have been killed. And it stated in 2021, it was Report at least 29 people were killed as well. So there's a lot to be said that this is very, very dangerous work. They even talk about the fact that, yeah, coal uh, as a part of the uh, big conversation piece, if they were to talk about climate crisis, uh, a part of what is happening and how the government makes money would be called into question. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. But she has not slowed down. Instead, she sees that representation for her country as something that is much needed in this conversation. She said, I want to bring the voices and stories of the youth and communities from the front line to the global arena and to show the human face of the climate crisis. People on the front line should be part of the decision-making processes. Their voices should be heard, listened to, and considered in negotiations and decision-making processes, especially on things that involve us. As for the danger she faces, she says, being a climate activist in the Philippines, I have been scared for my own safety, but I also think about the things we have achieved so far and why we are still even here. As long as our country is still vulnerable, we should still fight. For me, it's a form of survival, but also being in this movement is being privileged. Not everyone has the time and capacity to be in this movement because they have to work in order to feed their families. And yeah, she does talk about how within her village specifically, because they were fishers, uh, that the constant storms would push out the fish further and further into the ocean and that that would cause them more danger because they would have to be in these smaller boats that could capsize and or be caught up in the storm while they were fishing and how much more danger it puts them in because of all of that. And she continues to say, and when I have received anonymous threats and intimidation, at first I felt like I was being heard and I took it as a positive. I wasn't scared until they tried to go for my family. And yeah, that is so, so, uh, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Um, 
And the advice she would give to the young activists seeking to make change, don't ever underestimate your power to make a change. I know those are big words, but if you want to be part of the movement, you're already a part of it. Every single one of us doing something for the environment is already a selfless move because you're not just doing that for yourself and your community. You're doing it for us, the people who have already suffered from the brunt of the climate crisis. Right. So thank you from one yeah. person who did not take this seriously enough and I don't see the massive impact like you do, Marinelle Obaldo, who is doing such amazing work, uh, doing some amazing things. And yeah, she also talks about the importance of voting and being involved in policies and activism. And I think that's a big thing that we've heard kind of throughout as we talk about these different activists and advocates who talk about what it takes to really make change. And the fact that she's just... Uh, out there and making sure that she is bringing to light what many people have been shutting down and uh, and just also bringing in that personal experience of seeing the tragedy that this can cause. So thank you so much for your work. Uh, thank you so much for uh, letting us know what is happening and uh, challenging us to do better. Yeah. Yeah. I've been really impressed with younger people and their activism and around things like this. And as we've discussed before, the environment impacts all of us, uh, the environment we live in. And there's all these intersections within it um, and like access, sort of what you talked about as well. So there are these huge conversations to have, but we need to be having them because uh, we all live here. So yes, thank you for your work and for being so inspiring. As always, listeners, if you have a suggestion for someone we should highlight in this segment... Uh, please let us know. You can email us at Stephanie and MomStuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. I think she's one of those younger people making things better. So thank you, Christina. Yes, thank you, Christina. <laughs> and thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 